0: So, welcome to the Expert Edge. Uh, today, I'm interviewing one of my best friends in the world. Uh, her name is Britt Siva. Now, I've known Britt for about four and a half years now. In fact, my amazing wife Sarah and I literally just had lunch with her down at Lido in uh, Newport Beach, and my gosh, like this woman, Britt is just such an amazing person and i'm so excited to have her on the podcast because she once again represents everything that that we want to put forward in the expert edge podcast which is someone who's a market leader someone who has you know has family values someone who is committed to integrity in their business integrity in what they deliver and i am just so excited about bringing her on the podcast now the big idea that we really discuss Is around market leadership and essentially how do you become a market leader? Now, whether you want to, you know, become a market leader or not, I know that there are going to be principles and ideas that you pull out of this journey that Britt has been on in building a multiple seven figure company. In fact, when I first met her, you know, she was just really starting out, starting to get a little bit of momentum in terms of what she was doing. And now she has a very large team. Um, She runs literally the biggest membership in um, her industry. Uh, She runs a multi-million dollar membership. And uh, I'm just so proud of her in terms of like how she's showing up for her community, for her business. Uh, And she just operates with just a level of uh, integrity and precision and leadership that I think is is really setting the standard for the expert industry and so. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Uh, we dive deep into the strategies she's using to grow her business, uh, how she's really getting people to uh, actually become clients before they even become clients. Uh, you'll learn about that strategy uh, in the in the session, really how she stepped up to becoming a market leader. And I just know you're going to walk away feeling really inspired from this conversation. And so Britt Siva, uh, she runs a company called the Thrivers Society. It's a Uh, membership really for uh, salon owners and stylists to grow and scale up their business. And so I think you're going to get a ton from it. If you want to run a membership, you're going to learn a lot. But even if you just want to become a market leader and grow in your leadership and start to stand out for all the right reasons, uh, you're going to enjoy this podcast. So let's get into it. My really, really good friend, Brit Uh Seaver.
1: You are listening to the Expert Edge podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin
2: Boyd.
0: So Britt Siva, welcome to the Expert Edge.
2: Colin, honor to be here. This has been a long time coming. I'm really excited to be here today.
0: It has been a long time coming. Now, you are a busy woman. Uh, you have been running many promotions, many launches recently. In fact, can we just acknowledge you? You just had your biggest single day ever. I did, um, which would just like blows me out of the water. Can you talk about it a little bit?
2: <laughs> yes, it, and you know what? It was so wildly unexpected. So it's funny. So I, I launch twice a year, and we just had our fall launch. We literally closed the doors just a few days ago, and. Um, Woke up that morning, went to start my day, grab a cup of coffee, looked at the numbers. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much more than I expected. This is great. Off to a great start. As the day went on, it seemed like it wasn't even real life. At noon, I texted my CFO and said, listen, we've, we've had a $700,000 day. I said, if we, hit, if we hit the million, I'm taking you on a retreat. And he said, LOL, sounds great. Eight thirty that night, he texted me and he said, "You owe me a retreat." We we had crossed one million and <sighs> more in a single day. We couldn't believe it. We could not believe it.
0: Oh, hey, this is so cool. This is so cool. So, guys, you listening? You heard that right? A million dollars in a day. That is just phenomenal. But the journey doesn't start there. No. And you are an expert who who helps uh, salon owners, stylists, to grow their business. You're a marketing expert. You're a business expert. Talk to us about how it all started for you and that moment of kind of discovery of wanting to actually serve that audience and how that worked.
2: Yeah, really good question. So it started for me practically day one of joining the industry. I got my cosmetology license, um, went to beauty school and licensed in the state of California as a hairstylist. And in my first week in the salon, I felt like I had been duped in a lot of ways. I got in there and realized that the The dream I had been promised and was painted for me was a false reality. I couldn't see anybody in the salon who was living this beautiful, balanced life, making the money, working the dream schedule, loved loved everything they had going for them. I couldn't find a single person living that fantasy. And um, I realized that this was going to be a lot harder than I thought. And I went through an assistant training program, did the thing, did the hair, And it became very apparent to everyone around me pretty early on that I enjoyed the game of earning a client. I liked the marketing part, the networking part, the communication. I didn't love doing the hair. I didn't love the cutting, the coloring. If I could just schmooze and market all day, I was thrilled. Unfortunately, that's not what the profession looks like. So within about 18 months of joining the salon, I was promoted to the position of salon director, where I was able to lead the team and market the business as a whole and, um, It was within my first about three years leading the salon team that a a salon owner outside of our organization reached out and said, hey, listen, is there any way you'd consult with us and give us some insights as to what you do and how you make your salon work? And Colin, I don't know if you experienced this, but I know a lot of experts experience this. I didn't feel equipped to coach anybody else on what I did because I didn't think what I did was special. I thought, my gosh, what I'm doing is so it was so common knowledge to me. It's like ingrained within the fiber of my being. And so it seemed too simple. And I said, well, I'm happy to consult with you, but I don't know, you know what your result will be, but let's give it a, let's give it a go. The, the advice I gave them and the techniques I was sharing blew their mind. I entered the, entered a one-year coaching contract with them on the spot. And then from there it was referral after referral after referral. And I got to a place after doing that for about three years, still working in the salon and taking on coaching and consulting clients that I couldn't do the one-to-one any longer. I really rode that, that road until the end of the journey. And it was around that time I learned that this whole digital education thing was a thing. 2015, it was just kind of starting to come up. And I thought, wow, if I could, if I could transition what I'm teaching these stylists and salon owners into a digital format, my impact could be so much greater it, it in uh, industry education for beauty professionals had been so inaccessible, very expensive, planes, trains, automobiles, very limited opportunities for business education. And I thought, if I could make this accessible, if you could do it from the comfort of your home at a low affordable rate, I could really change an entire industry. And that's, that's where we started back in 2015.
0: Mm-hmm. So, your, so, we met, I think it was 2016, right. which was like just after you'd launched that, which was really right. cool. Um, and so what I'm hearing is like what you launched was pretty innovative for the industry. Uh, there wasn't like a, a a model. And by the way, can you tell the audience, like tell, talk about your business model and how it's evolved?
2: I'd love to. I actually call, call my model an accidental membership. So (laughs) I have, I have a membership model program. However, I didn't, I didn't launch it thinking I'm going to create a membership because to what you just said, there was no one for me to model after I couldn't say, well, Dan did it this way. So if I do that, I'll be okay. I was, I was flying blind. So I thought, well, this is a concept that's either going to fly or flop. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to charge people monthly. I'll release something to them every month. And if it's not working, I'll just say, all right, this was your last month. It's over no harm, no foul. It was like my own exit strategy, but I've now been running that same membership for six years And it's certainly evolved. If you were to join Mm. today, it looks nothing like it did in 2015. But the thing that I got right is rather than create one course, another course, here's an idea. Somebody asked me about this one thing. I have done the same exact thing for six years. And I do believe that's a huge part of why we've been able to scale the membership.
0: That is so true. Like everyone that I watch in this industry who does well, they stay on the same message. And a lot of the time, the same product or the same membership, or they combine all their products into just one membership. Uh, and they go and they keep doing it for, you know, three, four, five, six years minimum to actually get that momentum of where, where you're up to. Uh, I'm wondering in terms of, so for you, what I'm hearing is that, and I didn't know this, was that you did consulting one-on-one for a couple of years or a year or so, or whatever. And then you moved into like a group model, because I think one of the mistakes that sometimes people make is that they don't understand their audience well enough. And they haven't done the yards. Like, like I've, when I think about it, I've done over 3000 one-on-one coaching hours in the last 13 years. And like, it's that foundation that helped me to understand my audience. So one thing I think you're brilliant at is marketing and understanding how to connect with your audience what have you, how do you go about understanding your audience and marketing to them and attracting them?
2: I love that you said you feel like a lot of people don't go the yards because that's, Mm. that's my biggest concern too. I had done one-on-one strictly for a full three years to the point (laughs) where I had nothing left to give. There was no more (laughs) of me, no more of me to go around. I really exhausted that opportunity. And to what you just said, that's, That's how I learned what should go into my program. That's how I learned what I'm actually an expert of. That's what I learned. That's how I learned what I enjoyed teaching. You know how there's a difference between stuff, you know, and stuff that you're really good at teaching. And and I needed that one on one to really refine that opportunity. And so I that was essentially where I got Thriver Society from was those early years of coaching. That's the foundation of the methodology.
0: Did you do any coaching training or did you just start? You know how you say you landed that one year contract? Like did you have any training or anything in that? Isn't
2: that horrifying that people are <laughs> giving me money? I had no training. I literally just came as I was. And I was like, oh, you know what? We're going to figure this out together. Yeah. And they were they were game for the ride. But I hope that gives people a lot of opportunity. Yeah. I was a green, untrained, I mean, looking back, unprofessional, wildly uneducated person who knew something and was convicted about what they wanted and mm. just went for it. And I will say in those early years, I see a lot of new coaches or new experts now saying, you know, first time offer, I'm new to the game. My first offer is 997. I'm like, oh, friend, let's just like get in there for a minute, do 10 free coaching calls and learn your market a little bit so more. True. It's so true, right? And then yeah. the money will come. If you that can- was
0: one of the best things for me was when I first started coaching was my, my mentor said, you have, I think it was, I had to do 30 free one-hour one, one hour coaching sessions before wow. I could even charge money and you kind of did that you did that apprenticeship
2: big time and yeah
0: I- so how do you go about marketing now like how when you when you're creating you know you've just ran a multi-million dollar marketing campaign you run a multi-million dollar business like how do you think about marketing and and your avatar that you think is different to what other people in your industry do
2: I think that's a really good question. First of all, my avatar is evolving as my Mm. program evolves. And so it's recently changed yet again. But one of the things I'm really big on is I always say, I'm looking, I'm always trying to seize the gap. So I don't look to my left and to my right too often. Um, I was working with a consultant recently recently who asked me who my competitors were. And I said, no one. And they laughed. And I said, oh, don't misunderstand me. I don't mean it from an egotistical way. I mean that I don't perceive anybody doing things in the way that I do them, nor do I want to look to those who are trying to compete in the same arena as me to make my decisions. I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm trying to look three years ahead and see what trends are coming. I look way beyond my own industry to see what's going on. I'm, I'm studying consumer behavior. I'm noticing how I've changed my behavior. Behaviors as a consumer in the world, mm. and I'm trying to think really well beyond. You know, what's trending? What did I What did I read in a book? And I'm thinking, what hasn't been written in a book yet? What do I think is coming next? And that that dictates most of my decisions.
0: Mm. The when was some some like breakthrough moments in your building your business? And tell me about like the early days of like you done the three years of one-on-one consulting, then you started this like group uh, you know, monthly thing. You didn't even know that it was a membership. It was like, a just pay me monthly and we'll send you stuff. Uh, tell me about like, how did that start? And then when was a breakthrough moment when you hit like a volume and what did you do do to hit a volume that, that made it sustainable to have a team, to have employees, to, you know, start moving forward?
2: Really good question. One of the pivotal moments that I'll never forget is I had done a few webinars and not made any sales at all. I think that's pretty typical. So I, I definitely ran that journey. I didn't know how to run Facebook ads. So I was literally mailing postcards to beauty salons, to beauty schools, begging people to come to my classes. And I remember it was probably my third webinar. I had one person buy. And I was over the moon excited and I finished my webinar and I didn't turn off my mic. I didn't close. I didn't close. It was probably like webinar jam or something at the time. I didn't close down the software. I go running to my husband and I'm like, oh, babe, somebody bought. And the woman heard me like having a full on freak out that one person (laughs) bought my program. She probably lost full faith in me in 2.5 seconds. But that overwhelming joy of it was like that proof of like, this is a thing like this could work. This is desirable. That first sale was all that I needed. And then my second webinar, I made probably four sales and then I started to build momentum and I was having these kind of like $20,000 launches, Mm. which felt good. That was a massive plateau. And I've heard from other people before, there is this $20,000 plateau Mm. where you can hang there and you can do $20,000 launches. But the problem is that doesn't generally replace the income level that Mm, you need to make this a full-time, right? You don't leap
0: to the next level.
2: No, you can't. It's good supplementary, but you can't get there. It wasn't until I started working with a coach that Mm -hmm. everything really changed for me because I was able to get out of my own way. I had somebody pointing out my blind spots and that put me in the room to network with somebody like you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was pivotal for me to have somebody like you in my corner to bounce ideas off of a trusted confidant who's fighting in the arena with me. So working with a coach and then networking with those who are able to make me see bigger, go deeper and recognize all of my areas of opportunity and my blind spots at the same time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know for me, the, you know, we wouldn't be living in America if if we weren't in programs and in the program nope. that I was in you with, with, you in with and things like that. Um, it's funny you bring up webinars. I, I, before I got on here, I had a, re- I had a revelation. I, I don't know if you remember this or you know this, but you literally were the first person to ever buy, sell from stage Academy.
2: No, I wasn't. Yeah, Colin, that makes me so proud. I had no idea
0: you literally were the first person ever to buy <gasps> a self from Stage Academy. <laughs>
2: that makes me want to cry a little bit. I'm so honored. If that was like a no brainer for me, I couldn't yeah. even wait. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I love it.
0: Yeah, I sent I sent the email the VIP email, and I had like no sales for you know a couple of hours. Um, this was our first ever promotion, and then you bought it. You were the first one wow. to buy it. So, I thank like you. That.
2: My pleasure. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: good, so good. Fun little fact. Um, tell me about some of the. Okay, so you, so you, your breakthrough came from like working, like being a part of programs that got you to think bigger, got you to act bigger did you start like spending a lot more money on Facebook ads and, and start like doing affiliate partnerships or like, what did you do to start like really getting that momentum to move forward?
2: So I, I dabbled in one affiliate partnership many, many years ago. It's not a super great fit for me and my industry because Mm. it's in a really niche down niche. And so it adds a layer of complication that doesn't work super well. Um, You know, joining a program like, self from stage Academy and continuing to open my eyes in that way and to really educate and learn more helps me to see that there's other ways to build and grow beyond the traditional. So when you say like, did I put a bunch of money into Facebook ads? You know, I've gone back and forth. I will say our last launch was our largest and we reduced ad spend by 25%. So we actually spent less and earned more, but that's because we're going for alternative methods of marketing. And I think that's good for people to understand.
0: What does that mean? alternative methods of marketing go deeper
2: yeah so so what i see is i see we talk about leads right there's cold leads there's Mm. warm leads there's piping hot fire leads Mm. and so for me at the place i'm at in my business i only want piping hot fire i'm not i'm not super worried about like warming up somebody cold and bring them into a webinar and let's do a challenge for me that's what my podcast is for My podcast Mm -hmm. is like, learn from me, connect with me. Let's see if we vibe together. You're so much more likely to, to decide to love me or hate me if you've been hanging with me for a year on my podcast than hanging with me for 90 minutes on a webinar. So I'd rather connect really deeply with people over the course of time, allow them to decide if I'm a fit or not, versus a high pressure, get in here, do or die, the clock is ticking for me, I'm finding, I think that the world is changing a little bit and that high pressure strategy is, I don't know, I think we're going through a little revolution. And so I didn't worry so much this launch about webinar, webinar, leads, leads, ads, ads. I said, listen, let's focus on who we got, the, the hottest of the hot leads. And it really, it served us really well.
0: That's cool. Now your podcast uh, does really well and I've been on it, which is awesome. Uh, and uh, I remember when you first started it. And you had a great like structure for it. Do you want to talk about your philosophy of podcasts? Because there's a lot of listeners who have podcasts and would probably love to use their podcast more effectively. And I know you've done really well with it. How do you promote it? What's your philosophy with it? What are your rhythms, your rhythms and processes in not, not specific processes, but your rhythms of how you do it and so forth?
2: Really good question. And um, the podcast is really kind of like a living being in and of itself. I always have to check in with her, see how she's doing, see what's working and what's not. Um, when I started the podcast, it was in 2018. I launched it. You were hundred percent a part of it. You were, yeah, living- we're in,
0: it was in New York. I think, I think yes. we were sitting on top of that. Amazing. Do you remember we we're in Manhattan or something? Yes. Yeah, it was three sixty degree views of New York. It was insane. Yes. And, uh, yeah. You came up with the idea of your podcast.
2: Yep. And I launched with six episodes on day one, which we think was very important. It helped me to get those downloads yes. right up to the top. That's huge. And what I decided is I wanted a podcast that was a little bit different. So a lot of people do interview shows. We're doing an interview right here. Nothing yep. wrong with that. But in my industry, everything was an interview. So mm-hmm. in, in the spirit of finding the gaps, I said, I'm going to do solo shows. I'm going to be 80% solo shows. It's going to be all um, user-driven content. So people leave me ratings and reviews in my show. Those all get pulled for con- podcast um, topics. And I do deep dives and kind of like private coaching on my podcast through every single episode, we have actually decided we are shifting all interviews off of the podcast. They're going to take a different format in 2022. But when we looked at the analytics of our show, we found that people show up to my podcast to learn a specific topic. They want to get a skill set. And I'm giving them those little golden nuggets that help mm-hmm. them to build their business. Now, on my podcast, I never share anything strategic is what I always say. I'll give little quick tips, little bits of advice. My shows are short, sweet, and to the point. They're about 20 minutes apiece. And um, we've used that to build audience trust for the past, what, three and a half years, something like that. And we're now in in our teeny tiny niche. We are a top rated podcast amongst Mm -hmm. all shows in an industry that's generally speaking ignored and really, really small. And I think it's because the way I show up is different. I give really, really helpful advice that actually could be applied across all industries. It's not just fluff. It's very... Tactical, and I think that's made a huge difference.
0: Mm, I love that. And do you, with the rhythms of your podcast, because I remember originally we talked about, I don't know if you kind of you'd use this that much, but it was like a you would do, you know, it sounds like a good majority of it, it was, you know, the Brit show, um, user con- driven content. Then it was like, it was actually like case studies, so like student case studies. And then an interview and it was, did, is that kind of how you did a flow or like, talk to us about that. The rhythms. You're
2: right. That's so that's how we started is it was right. always probably about 80% me and then 20% was, was student driven case studies. So no experts. So you weren't invited on my podcast until what last year, 2019, yeah. 2020, we recorded, right? Yeah. Deep into my show because that wasn't my format at all. Mm-hmm. It was just celebrating my students and then sharing my own voice. So then, like I said, my brand is always evolving. I realized that people did want to learn forward, find the gaps, kind of like how I like to market. So we start bringing in guest experts. And overwhelmingly, the audience said, we just want Brit. Can it just be you? And to what you said, how, how do you decide what you're doing next? I listen. And I think so often we... Um, choose to speak more than we listen Mm -hmm. and if you slow down and just are willing to like get in your dms read your comments on instagram ask in the poll what people want the answers are there people would love to tell you their opinion you just have to be willing to change listen reflect and and go for it and make that leap of faith to push the business forward and i think that constant innovation is what's kept us propelling forward
0: yeah, I feel like you stay really connected to your audience. Like I I've do. even watched you on social media at times when you were very much like, hey, I got it wrong. I messed up. I, I didn't address the topic or the issue correctly. And you apologize to your audience. And, oh, yeah. And you, you know, share with your audience in a really vulnerable way. Uh, how How do you, I guess, know how to speak to an audience? Like what's your thinking around... Because an audience can feel big, but you make it feel small when you talk. So there's definitely something going on in your mind with how you, and the courage it takes to do that. Cause it takes, I mean, I know you're a female, but it takes balls to do that.
2: Yep. <laughs> right? I'm that kind of female though. That's yes. how
0: <laughs> it takes guts, right? It, it, it takes courage to do that. And so tell me about like some of those decisions that you've made along the way of, of, of connecting with your audience and how vulnerable you are and, and your honesty and your, your apologies and all that sort of stuff? How does that go?
2: That's a really good question. I decided really early on that I didn't want to take the guru path, if you know what I'm talking about, where it's like, um, I'm not going to drive the Lambo down the street. It's just not me. So that would be extremely inauthentic. Well, you know me as a person, Colin, and I—I I like to connect. I—I I like mm. to feel like I—I I look you in the eyes and I see you human to human. Yes. So when I'm connecting with my audience, I bring that—that's the person I am. It's really hard for me to turn that off. And whenever I'm showing up in any capacity, whether it be on Instagram, the podcast, if I'm doing an Instagram live, I always walk into it saying. If one person gets value from this, if I connect with one person, I've won. It's never the objective to like, I hope I connect with a thousand. That's Hmm. unrealistic. And I think if we could all use that framework of if this message resonates with one person, then I can call myself a success that's been such a great filter for me because it allows me to cut out all the noise, just say, Brett, you're talking to one. And so when I go on live, you'll see I'll go back and forth with one person throughout the broadcast and imagine how they walk away feeling and imagine how everybody else in the room walks away. Like, wow, she really, she really coached Alyssa today versus maybe everybody didn't get touched, but they watched how, how invested I was just with her. I'm finding that that is so much more effective than that guru talking at everybody, trying to be everything to everyone. I just try and connect deeply with those I'm involved with at any given time. And that's served me super well.
0: I think that's really encouraging for people because, you know, not everyone has a has as big an audience as you do, but I know you didn't start there. You started no. with the idea of connecting with one. And, and it's actually a speaking principle is, is when you're doing Q and a, and you're talking to one person, if you honor them, use their name regularly, make sure their questions answered, everyone in the audience feels valued. I
2: love that. And, so, and that's so true.
0: Yeah. Tell me about some of the hardest moments in your business in growing your very successful business. I know you've got a bigger vision. You probably don't feel like you're very successful, but you know, <laughs> because doubt. you've got such a big vision that's right. uh, and it always feels like, okay, now I'm ready for the next level. Uh, but to get to where you are, you know, like you know, it's, it's like a 0.0001% of people actually get to the level that you're at. Not that it's not possible for anyone, but it's hundred percent possible, but you've done what it's, what it's taken to get to where you are. There's been some tough moments along that journey. What have been some really tough moments that you've worked through and some, and a learning that you've taken from that, a growth that you've taken from it?
2: I'll speak to it from a couple of places. So first of all, the very first time you and I met was in Southern California and it was at a mastermind meetup. And I don't know if you'll remember this, but I came into that room like a teeny tiny baby bird. I was so, um, you were wonderful to me. I felt immediately connected to you, but I felt really intimidated being there. I didn't feel worthy. I actually said it to the room. I was called out. It was Britt, you're being really quiet. What's going on? And I said, I don't believe I'm in the right room. And um, I went back to my hotel room and cried. I mean, and that's so not me. I just had a full meltdown. Yeah. And <laughs> so and good. it was it was that imposter syndrome of, mm. girl, you only have 6,000 followers. Look at this room. Look who's here with you. What do you have to share? What could you possibly have to offer? And uh, it was Jasmine Starr's husband, JD, who came up to me and, and he knew. And he said, I don't know. Of course he what does.
0: It's of course is. he
2: does. It's the best. The best. <laughs> best of the best he came up and he said i hope you know we need you to be here he was like everybody here is rallying for you you wouldn't be here if you weren't bright and incredibly talented and have a little faith in yourself but that imposter syndrome of um this isn't gonna last i'm probably never gonna make it maybe i've plateaued i'm so much smaller everyone thinks i'm stupid what if i'm not really honest?" you know i had all those stories and so getting through that first layer hey, good
0: of- ones Great
2: ones. (laughs) Oh yeah, the classics. And they just keep
0: going. Oh, the classic ones. Yeah, absolutely.
2: (laughs) Awful. So that, that was a problem. And um then I started building my team, which is was my next uh big, big, big hurdle. And um I, you know, building the team when I started was actually okay. I did okay until I reached about 10 employees. And then I had a fairly massive breaking point where I realized the what got what got you here won't get you there. Really slapped me in the face, mm. and I spent about eighteen months really um, battling if this is what I wanted. And I've seen this. This is a kind of a hot topic, I think, in our space right now. So it's worth talking about the idea of. Would you be happy to have an online business that makes 250 grand a year? It's just you and your people. And by people, I mean your audience. You don't have anyone that works for you. It's like truly a lifestyle business. Could you be happy with that? Because if so, that's rad. Like you could live a really great life that way. For me i was posed with the question in 2020 of brit what do you want from this business and i said um, i'm not actually looking to create a business i'm looking to create a movement i'm looking to change an entire industry so so having a lifestyle business doesn't doesn't impress me i'm not into it so if if i'm going to really revolutionize an industry i'm gonna have to become a different person like it's pushing it's pushing me to be a leader so i used to be a digital course creator." Now I am truly learning to be a leader, like a leader of industry. I'm learning what that looks like, what that would mean, what would be involved, who I'd have to hire. And unfortunately, you know, along the way, I've made some bad hires, had to let some people go, pushed myself as as a CEO. And so building and growing the team and having that reflection of, Britt, do you want a lifestyle business or are you actually going to, are you going to push? Are you going to do this? And making that decision to push and go for it was Hard but pivotal. And now now that I'm on the flip side, I'm very happy with it, but it's it's tough. And I think that's a crossroads a lot of digital CEOs get to is like more and more and more. And it's really easy to get caught up in that game. I think it's a fair question to ask yourself, why did I start this? What am I looking for from it? And what do I really need to do to ensure that's what I get and can sustain?
0: I think it's a really uh, healthy perspective to look at it because I definitely believe that our industry is enamored by numbers and it's oh, like, yeah, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, even yourself, like you just ran, you know, more than a right. million dollar launch, right? right? It's incredible numbers. And what you don't see is, is the payroll behind that.
2: Oh, but- my payroll is well over a million dollars a year. So it sounds really <laughs> sexy for me to be like, and then I made a million dollars and my husband instantly was like, so that was our 2020 payroll. it's like, yes, and we've already gone. We already spent it. It's done. So, so
0: we've covered just payroll.
2: <laughs> That's it. That's it.
0: And, that, and that's exactly, that's exactly true. It's like what, I think it's like, what it, it is, what game do you want to play? And it's, and it's okay to not want to play that game. That's right. And you really have to ask yourself, like, what do you want to create? And I know for you, you have a very strong mission and burden to really transform a movement and to shift an industry and stuff like that. And But to do that, it takes manpower, it takes solid payroll, it takes compliance, it takes, you know, legalities, it there's a whole nother level to that. My legal
2: fees, nobody (laughs) wants to even know the HR. I mean, yeah, it's everything. It's everything. And the the further you push, the more those things become unavoidable. Like nobody Mm. talks about it. Like, listen, it's like you're getting a steak with a side of potatoes, but nobody's talking about the, the side dishes. Everybody's worried about the main course and the entree. That's really delicious. But do you know everything else that you're signing up for? Nobody pays attention. And the further you go, the more complex it's going to get. You have to really check yourself and say, what What do I want here?
0: It's so true. It's like the journey goes from, uh, you know, focusing on how do I get leads, how do I yes. market to to you know, what are the IP issues with this? What are oh. you know, what's the HR compliance around this? Uh, like it goes to talking to lawyers and accountants. As opposed to talking to Facebook ads managers. (laughs)
2: That's right. That's right. And it's like overnight too. And you're like, how did I get here? It it does. It happens really fast.
0: Yeah. So that's a a really cool reflection. And I think just that acknowledgement for all the listeners of, you know, hey, if you want to run a $10 million business, it's a totally different game. And you can't jump to that. Like you can't just jump. You have to evolve into that. But it's also okay if you want to run a, you know, a $250,000 business, Heck a, a $500,000 business with one assistant and, you know, be highly profitable and create an amazing life.
2: And you'd still be in the top 1% with that killer business. Like there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. It's great.
0: Exactly. Oh, I love that. I love that. Uh there are, there are quite a few people in your industry who listen to my podcast and they help hairstylists, they teach cutting, they teach, you know, stylists and so forth. Uh, what are some ways that you would encourage them to grow their business? And I'm sure that this will apply to all people in expertise, but specifically in your industry right now, like what's kind of hot, what's working? What are some little things that you could encourage them to do to really generate better leads, better quality leads, et cetera?
2: First of all, shout out to the best industry on the planet. All my beauty (laughs) professionals out there, well played. Um, So what I would say is, is a little bit of what I've been saying, but I don't think my industry sees it this way. So when I say play to the gap, right now, my industry is seeing oversaturation in digital education majorly sparked by the pandemic. So so what happened was, but this is, I think, good advice for everybody. So what happened was there was a lot of people displaced by 2020. You know, Um, Countries are still recovering, right? 18 Mm -hmm. months later. So there's a lot of people out of work looking for alternative options, looking to start a second career, which I love. I think that's incredible. However, what you have to realize is you weren't the only person with that idea. So it's you and Thousands of other people who decided to do that. So now when you look at my space, there's a lot of digital educators. So we're all fighting for the same pool. The market hasn't grown. It's actually shrunk. We saw about a, a 15% depreciation of those working in the industry and a massive increase mm-hmm. in educators. So what you have to understand is you're fighting for a smaller piece of the pie, which is okay. Totally okay. I don't see that hmm. as a problem. There's plenty to go around still. Yeah, there's still it's not- a big pie. <laughs> oh, it's a huge pie. It's, a bu- it's an all-you-can-eat buffet still. No worries. I don't so need I don't to do say it. that to, to discourage. But what you have to do is the game becomes to stand out, which is the game for all of us. What I think is, I think we're seeing a trend in uh, in in-person coaching, one-on-one, getting on the same level as people. I think the DIY course stuff, I think it's so saturated that it's time to kind of reconnect, find that human component again, and really focus um, there. The other thing is too, is if you think about it, there was a lot of people who were out of work for 2021. And 2020, they don't necessarily have the same surplus of revenue to put into education. So you just have to look at the trends in the industry overall and say, listen, for somebody who what we know is the people in all industries, the people are looking for more inspiration. We've all decided quality of life is more important now Mm -hmm. than ever before right? We all, we all want to live these lives in full. What can you bring to market that's going to allow that to be possible? Is it a one-year course or is it an incredible two-day online training intensive where in two days, they don't have to take a year away. They don't have to take six months away. In two days, you can really change their life. I just, I want people to think kind of outside of the box. I think that the whole-
0: Not just having a course.
2: Not like, I hey, buy a course. my course, that's it. It's a little tired. It's a little tired. We need to like keep it spicy. What can you offer that nobody else is doing? The webinar to course thing for me is very it's everywhere. Everybody's mm. got the webinar to course model. Yeah. What can you bring where it's like, oh, I haven't seen that before. Mm. Can keep that innovation going. And listen, you and I both know if you have a killer course and I just crushed your hopes and dreams, don't worry about it. Your course is also a two or three day workshop. Like I learned that from self from stage. You're using the same principles. You're using exactly. the same pillars. It's just the vehicle that you're teaching it with. None of that changes.
0: Yeah. Really you're saying like, look at the offer and yes. going, how do we, you know, make this offer either more, and it doesn't have to be in person, but it could be like fit, like, you know, Absolutely. virtual touch. Yes. How can it be higher virtual touch? Yes. Maybe it's more done for you. Maybe it's a, it's a better result in a shorter time. Um, like, it's like, how do we mix up this offer dynamics so that it's unique?
2: I agree. I'm seeing a lot of like, I'll talk about my beauty professionals just for a moment who are doing these like, um, hair cutting courses, hair color courses, That's awesome. But imagine that you did a digital two-day intensive Everybody comes with their tripod. They're all on video watching you. You start the haircut, you pop in, you do a Q&A. How's everybody looking? Maggie, I want to take a look at yours. What's going mm-hmm. on? Like the power of technology right now allows us to feel like we are in the space, even if we're not. Mm-hmm. I don't see anybody doing stuff like wow. that.
0: Yeah. Like I a think, live intensive, a live yeah. virtual intensive. That's so and good. imagine
2: the value in that. I don't have to buy a plane ticket. I don't have to go to a hotel. Like the value is there. No one's doing it. It's like See those opportunities because that's where it's at.
0: Mm, yeah yeah i really like those really like those ideas now you shared in a in a, another group that we're, we're a part of also this incredible idea of, of prep school now prep oh, yeah. school is the your new vip wait list and yep. so can you so guys guys by the way you're about to get privit privilege privileged uh knowledge of stuff that literally she only shares in like in some pretty tight groups. So I hope you have a pen and paper down because this is mind blowing this idea. And it's something that we're looking at doing sometime soon. So talk to us about this new strategy that you implemented that changed the game for you recently.
2: Yep, get your cup, we're spilling the tea, here we go. So we decided to close our wait list. We used to have a wait list for our program Thriver Society. It's open closed cart, if anyone's familiar with that method. So we only take on new students two times a year. Um, We're actually changing that in 2022, but we had only been taking on students two times a year. And so if we were closed cart, you could hop on the wait list. We'd email market to you. And I had this realization again, looking at the gap and looking at mainstream marketing, who in their right mind, when somebody is interested in investing and training with me says, no, thank you. But if you wait six months, then I'll teach you and train you. Logically, it didn't make a ton Mm -hmm. of sense. And I said, you know, I feel like I feel like we're missing something here, but it was so so the method, so the model. So I rolled with it for years. I said, listen, what if we create Thriver Society Prep School? It's essentially a really narrowed-down version of my membership that doesn't teach the strategies, but it teaches all of the principles. So Thriver Society, there's now three methodologies. Each methodology is about 160 lessons. In prep school, I believe there are 18 lessons total, and rather than share, just throwing a ton of information at you, it's designed to make you think differently, believe differently, find the faith in yourself, choose what you want out of this career, and get a sense of how I teach. And if you like how I teach and you like my methodology, which I've now taught to you in prep school, the next logical step is joining us in Thriver Society. Now, if you don't like my method and you don't like how I teach, Sweet. Your investment was really small mm-hmm. to learn that we're not a great fit, all good. And so it's a way for them to try me out. It's a way for me to get my message in front of this group who's kind of on the fence. Those people who are lukewarm are curious about me, but aren't maybe ready to go all the way in. And then when we did open enrollment, prep school had first chance at memberships and they were able to apply their prep school um. Charge sixty nine bucks towards a full thriver Society membership, making prep school completely free for them. So it's a no risk. I mean, that's offer.
0: the that's like such a brilliant strategy. Brilliant. Of applying what they've applied, so you actually advertising prep schoolers. It's free essentially it's free. if you decide to join. Correct Thrive Society. Correct, and and it's like a it's like a testing the offer. It's like you're buying that's a right. test kit essentially.
2: That's right.
0: Oh, it's absolutely brilliant, and. Did you use this in your last launch?
2: We did. Mm
0: -hmm. And how was the response?
2: It was great. We had had probably about 35% of those on prep school choose to go from prep school into the annual membership. And we had a good Mm. portion go into the monthly membership. And I don't have firm numbers on that yet. We're still in debrief, but 35% going from prep school to annual is phenomenal. We've never had a conversion like that on the wait list. No way.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, look at a like a good waitlist, and I think you were good at. In fact, I actually got my waitlist strategy from you. You oh, literally you. sent me your emails, and I and I customized them uh, to use my waitlist, and that works great. Like it's it it actually builds some momentum. But you know, typically, what you're going to get maybe like five right. percent of those people, or ten percent, maybe ten percent of those people join.
2: And I agree with you that our waitlist was good. Like I know it was well performing, but to what you said, no one's breaking. No one's breaking fifteen percent even on a waitlist. No. You are just not doing it.
0: Mm-mm. No, oh, that's that's so good. And the quality of someone, if they're willing to spend, you know, sixty nine dollars, ninety seven dollars, right. whatever it is, um, the quality of that person is not not them as a person, but the quality <laughs> of that lead for a business is. It's like. better (laughs) like it's so much better it's not even funny
2: because you know all of us are wired like I don't know about you Colin but there are some people I love, respect, I've read all their books, I've listened to their podcasts I've never paid them a dime, I'm just watching Mm. and I'm happy to just watch and then there's people where I'll buy anything that they sell. Mm. I'm cool if someone just wants to listen to my podcast and doesn't want to invest with me, that's all good. Mm. But I want those hot, hot leads. I was talking about at the beginning. Those are my buyers. And that's where I'm going to focus that energy. And you're exactly right. It like pre-qualifies somebody. Where are you at? Are you still just hanging out and, Kind of listening, or are you in? And it changes the conversation. And
0: I think this is really good because with all the iOS updates, yeah. all the changes, the cost. I know our ads cost was close to. It was actually double what our last ads cost were six months ago. And so, um, I know that's getting higher. So, the the need for you know m- creating warmth. In your list, creating connection, having people make a small decision, a a small financial decision to move forward. Like all of, I know for us, our organic focus became a lot bigger this time around because our ads cost was so high. Um, You know, that, and so this strategy just makes so much sense because it actually takes someone from being warm to being incredibly hot and just ready.
2: That's right. And I totally agree with you. Like I I probably sounded braggadocious when earlier in the podcast, I said, well, we spent 25% less on ads and we had a really great launch, but that of course, wasn't the full story. We had done a lot, like you said, more organic marketing and Mm -hmm. we're leaning other directions because I can't, to be candid, I can't afford it. I can't pay fifteen dollars a lead it's not and i would never make i
0: wish i had fifteen dollars
2: oh it's brutal out there right it's tough right now
0: it can be absolutely tough yeah Yeah. we did a lot of testing we finally got it down at a at a reasonable a reasonable amount but it it was it it was it was like a gladiator battle
2: it is it is a (laughs) hundred percent and you're out there with your still like not trying to knock the guy and facebook's gonna win in the end he won yeah (laughs) Yes. <laughs> still,
0: they still take the money. So <laughs> they, st-
2: they do. They still take the money and they keep it and they spend it. But I think, I think what you said is right. So if Facebook's not working, cool. Mm. So let's look beyond that. And where can, we, where can we create that authentic energy around who we are mm. and what we do? That's the game.
0: Yeah. The game but right? you pro- how do you promote your podcast?
2: How do I promote the podcast? A couple different ways. Um, we do run Facebook ads to the podcast. Yeah. And I will say those are still very low cost. And yeah. I, I think they're, I think they play nice just, the a click algorithm. Through, just a just click a through. through. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I'm paying less than a dollar a click, yep. which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we do is we do podcast cluster ads. So we just celebrated episode 200. So at this point I've got a lot to choose from. What? That's <laughs> oh, insane! Yeah.
0: Congratulations.
2: Thank you, sir. Thank you. We're at
0: 80- 85 at the moment. Hey! The recording yeah. of this podcast, we're at 85. So that's we're massive. That's we're massive.
2: There. Very few yeah. people get this far. Congratulations. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah.
0: Um, Well, I'm I'm pretty awesome. You are pretty freaking awesome.
2: (laughs) That (laughs) helps. And the accent helps. It all helps, Colin. Not as awesome
0: as you, but you're Uh, 200. So I'll get there, Britt. I'll get there. out of there.
2: What we wanted wanted to do was, A, promote the podcast, and B, I don't know about you, but maybe people don't go back and listen to episode number seven anymore. I'm sure episode number seven was great. So with these cluster ads, I'm promoting episode 1341. 64, 112. Mm. So it's all these old shows that are kind of like collecting dust. Not anymore. Mm. I put them out in Facebook ads and you can do it as a carousel, right? So somebody's seeing seven podcasts, they each have their own click-through and then you see and say, oh, I think I'd like to listen to an episode on finance management. Awesome. And so I can catch you where you're at. So maybe the episode on Instagram is not for you, but the second one's on effective salon ownership. You're in. And so no matter who's seeing it, I'm catching them where they're at and we're seeing really good click-through rates on that. It obviously increases the podcast downloads and serves my objective of getting people just listening to my voice, getting a sense of who I am mm. and, and and coming coming into my brand and just deciding if we're a good fit. That's worked really well. Mm.
0: And pod, I think podcast listeners are probably, in my mind, the highest quality leads. Same. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Like they are ready. I know for me, you know, podcast listening led me to spending crazy amounts of money on people's programs
2: (laughs) me too same it's like the gateway you like subscribe to the podcast and you're like oh no here i go it's like i know this
0: is free but i'm about to spend a lot of money a
2: lot of money that's right same exactly same Same.
0: and so i think this is really smart because in between when you do open enrollment and so forth you know building those warmer audiences at a cheaper ad cost uh whether it be you know, your podcast, whether I know for us, video views have actually mm. for the first couple of last two launches, our warm audiences have actually performed really well, like really low cost lead. Uh, and so that's just been through just video views, just, you know, continuing to pump it, which is like so cheap. It's like a penny of you. And so that's been great for us. Um, and I think, you know, this is a great strategy that we're going to start doing with the cluster ads, um, absolutely brilliant. What, what else? Anything else? Any other encouragements you would say for people if they're, maybe they're at about you know the fifty to hundred thousand dollar in their expert business, and and they're really wanting to break through to three to four hundred thousand. Um, like, what what would be an encouragement for you to say to to focus on and to really lean into?
2: It's a really good question. And I first of all, those who are 50,000 dollars 100,000 in your digital expert business, that's phenomenal. phenomenal. I mean, yeah. you are playing an incredible exceptional game, so honor that fact. I think what Colin said earlier when he said, you know, people love to talk about the big numbers. It's exciting, but but celebrate the 100,000. Mm-hmm. I remember that feeling so well, like that's something you never probably thought you'd achieve in your lifetime. So celebrate it. It's incredible. Um, if you want to break through to the 300, 400,000 for me the, the difference was really thinking about scalability. so I used to do things in my business like it was something like kind of o- office hours Tuesday where in my Facebook group I would be in there for probably 17 hours on a Tuesday. I don't think I ate or slept and I would answer every single question that somebody had entered in there. So I had this natural cap there's only so many things I could do in that group at that level. The other thing is too I think it happens for a lot of people when you when you get when start to get into the six figures, it becomes really tricky to do it alone I mean customer support, um, making sure that you have all of your tech built out, really thinking about what do I need to do to sustain this level and keep pushing forward, I think becomes really, really important. But like Colin said, and like we were saying, I think that at that level to break from hundred thousand to 500,000 to brand voice and message, I don't think anything is more important than that. And for those of you who are at that place, but don't have a huge audience, if you had 5,000 buyers, you'd have more money than you knew what to do with. For most of you, depending on what your offer yeah. is. I mean, if I have 5,000 members in my membership it would is a smash, like that is huge. So I think for a lot of people, they think, well, I only have a thousand followers on Instagram. You can make some real money with a thousand followers on Instagram. It's not about how big your following is. It's about the brand faith, the trust, how deeply they're resonating with your message. And if you're converting those followers into buyers, that's really all that matters. So I think focusing on your messaging, that brand loyalty, knowing who you are, doubling down on your specialty, and then making sure that your business is truly set up to scale. Because often, I don't know about you, Colin, but I learned the model that got me to 50,000, 100,000 was not the same model that could take me to 500 or more. There's no way.
0: I feel like for us, you know, as we hit seven figures it it was like a shedding yes. a shedding process mm. and what, what i tend to notice is people are around the 100k mark they've actually got five courses <laughs> always where, always where anyone like kind of at the three million, two million three million they've usually got like one
2: <laughs> great point. or
0: maybe maybe two but the second one is just a flow-on of the first one totally Kind of thing, like and a so, one-click
2: upsell or something yeah. like that, right? 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 <laughs> so
0: it's like the the whole idea of simplifying uh, mm. is is huge, but a lot of the time you need to do the five courses to work yes. out what that one is. So you know that is the journey. Like, there's nothing. There's no shame in that. Uh, mm. You know, I think I had I've had like six courses that we've built and all that sort of stuff. And so it's, uh, but but just watching you, you've been doing the same program, the same membership for six years or so, you know, that just shows that, uh, that consistency matters.
2: Right. And not being to what you said, you had six programs, you, you finally hit the jackpot. I mean, they've all were amazing, right? None of them were like a failure. And I think that's what people need to to realize too. Like just because something is successful, it doesn't mean it's your thing. And I think Mm -hmm. that constant refinement and looking at like, listen, how do we ensure that this scales? How do I make sure this is just what my market needs? And I talk about, I've used the same membership for six years. It's night and day from what it was six years ago. And don't be afraid to change. If you want to change your income level, if you want to change how your business operates and its potential, you must also change the offering and how it operates. It, it kind of all goes hand in hand. I love that you called it a shedding because it's so true.
0: Mm. If people want to join prep school or they want to see prep school, where can they see that or kind of join it?
2: Great question. If you head to www.thrivingstylist.com, you can learn more about me, prep school, and all of my memberships, my podcast, and all the goodness is living right there.
0: Yeah, thrivingstylist.com. Thriving Stylist. Was that a did you have to buy that? Or like when I say buy, of course you bought it, but like had someone bought that?
2: I had and nobody had bought it. It's been solely mine. But actually, what we did here's another quick pro tip. I don't know if you know this, but I made the mistake of a lot of people do this. When I was building out my brand, I created three brands accidentally. So I had Brit Siva, I had my personal brand, my persona, hmm. and then I had Thriver Society, had its own brand. And then the Thriving Stylist podcast had its own and my blog had its own. And so I had created these three brands kind of by accident and we've now streamlined everything into Thriving Stylist somehow by some sort of miracle that was available and waiting for me, so I got lucky, yes.
0: That's cool. Well, Britt, can I acknowledge you? Because first of all, you're an amazing friend to me and to Sarah. Uh, I love you guys. (laughs) You're one of our dearest friends. You're someone who I look to when, I'm, when I've got a challenge or a problem or something like that, I'm like, I've got a Rolodex of people available, and, but you're like on the, on the small hand of people that I would call. And so I appreciate you being in my life and in Sarah's life. Uh, I would love to know when you, when you get to the end of your life and you look back on your life and there's, all your friends are around, your loved ones, your clients, and they're, they're whispering about you, they're talking about you. What, what would be your hope that they would say about you?
2: Such a great question. I, I, my biggest hope is that those who spend time with me feel like they can achieve and create whatever life they're dreaming is possible. If I can instill confidence in somebody, allow them to love themselves deeply and just know that this lifetime is theirs for the taking and it can be whatever they want it to be. and they feel like I was the person they could count on to always lift them up and uh, was their number one fan. that that would be my greatest wish.
0: Well, you definitely live that. Uh, you you make me feel like that every time we hang out and uh, you know, like I said, I'm just so grateful that you're in my life and you got to share this amazing conversation with all of our listeners. I trust they've taken so much so much from it uh if hey guys if you found this valuable please leave a review send brit some love let brit know like take 30 seconds and just leave a review let brit know what was most valuable what you got out of it tag us in instagram we're both pretty active on instagram uh it's for me it's just at colin boyd brit is at brit Seaver. yep that's it yeah at brit Seaver. and uh share us share take a screenshot and let us know what was most valuable this has been I think one of one of the best interviews we've ever had on the podcast. Like seriously, this you could you you would pay money for this this oh, content. Like you know, without I, doubt.
2: I love being the best. So thank you for saying that. That really <laughs> makes me happy. And to those who are listening, I hope you know for, like this is the real real. I'm not just shining on Colin Boyd and his wife Sarah. Are two of the most sincere, heart-centered, brilliant, caring uh leader style souls I've ever met in my whole life. And any, any chance you get to spend time with either of the two of them is just a blessing. So thank you for having me here today. I appreciate it.
0: It's <laughs> so good. I love it. Thanks, Britt. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.